everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows on a cloudy day if we can get a sunburn, vampires definitely won't sparkle. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Here. Um, and for uh, everyone listening, happy Halloween, guys. This, If I've done my math right, this episode drops the week of Halloween, so we hope you guys all have a fun and safe holiday and enjoy getting your candy. Uh, Peter, uh, what are you doing what are you dressing up as for Halloween? Oh, dressing up as. So, actually, uh, my wife and I are trying to figure that out because we have a kid now and we're trying to do, like, a family, like, group costume thing. So, our idea right now, and I don't know if it'll pan out, but we want to dress uh, my son up as Scooby-Doo and then I was going to be Shaggy and then uh, my wife is going to be Velma, I think. So yeah, we'll see we might have talked about yeah. this. I don't talk think about so. I've oh, talked about I... Scooby Doo a lot, but I don't. Know oh, I've talked you about have it. talked about Scooby Doo a lot in this form. So sure. How about you? Um, well, I'm trying to do two things. I have a party I got to go to, um, like an actual costumed party that I got to go to uh, here, and I I'm gonna go. I want to be comfortable, so I don't want anything too elaborate because I'm going to a party. Yeah. So I'm gonna go as Dustin from uh, Stranger Things. Okay, nice. Uh, so I got the wig and the trucker hat, and then I got. Um, uh, Hawkins AV t-shirt. Okay, um, cool. So that way I can just be comfortable yeah. and kind of dress up in a way. Um, and then for trick-or-treating purposes, my kid is going as Thanos, so I was going to go as Fat Thor. I got to make the costume okay. work, though. That's the only catch. Like, it's getting a little, uh, like, I'm just trying to make it work in terms yeah. of, like, because I have to put on a ball. I have to, I'm not, yeah, I'm I mean, not a big guy. I don't have to wear a fat <laughs> suit, basically. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm attempting Interesting. to do. Interesting. That's a good call. I mean, I, I guess you could be anybody else in the Marvel Universe. I know. I just it. thought it'd be funny because the group of people, we we let the kids hit all the houses, and they just run along the wall of houses, and we're on the sidewalk and just follow them all drinking and enjoying our time. So I yeah. just thought it'd be fun to be Fat Thor. That's funny. <laughs> uh, so. I kind of like, I feel like maybe you should be a watcher. That'd be kind of cool. Because, like, if you're oh. some Thanos and then you just be, like, this big towering watcher, like, over that is, too. That but... is way more fun than Fat Thor. <laughs> but you'd have to wear a skirt well, if you go with, like, what I, at least a What I wanted to costume. do, what I wanted to do was, um, so I, I loved the show last week tonight with John Oliver mm-hmm. and on HBO. And he was doing a segment on Japanese mascots. The okay. ones with the giant heads and the big bodies and the, you know, the I mean, I might have to see an example, but I probably um, know what you're talking about. I'm gonna. I'll Is go- this like sports teams mascots or like uh, bigger than that? You'll understand what I'm talking about. I'm gonna Google a picture for you. I know it's an audio podcast, so <laughs> if you just Google Japanese you can mascot, Google along you at home too. So. Yeah, you can Google along at home. Um, let me Google that. Not if you're listening here. while driving, though. That could turn out very badly. Japanese mascots. Um, yeah, that's really funny. It's like one of the first things that pops up. Um, but no, it's what I wanted to do because I thought it'd be really funny to be, uh, this type of thing and walk around oh, and just okay, follow the cool. kids around. No one would yeah. know what I am. Big head, high-fiving people, waving at kids. <laughs> right. You know, I could maybe, like, shrunk my head down, look, yeah. like, shrunk my shoulders, make it look like I'm sad and, like, kick the gate while I'm waiting. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, um, I just thought it would be really showed me funny. a picture of, like, it looks like a cat or a bear maybe, or I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> I don't it's know like what it is. giant stuffed animal costume that... It's obviously a person wearing, but the costume extends like a foot or two, like 
off of their like torso and head so it's just this massive like stuffed right. animal creature did i ever tell you about when i saw a guy wearing a costume like that but it was pikachu and it was at like this comic con no. i went to a long time ago <laughs> so i went to if you've been to cons you know that saturday is like always the busiest day and i went to chicago comic con or i think it was just called wizard world then but this is like way back, probably 2005, 2006, something like that. And I saw this guy walking around dressed as Pikachu, but he had like this massive fluffy costume on. And it was like, it looked so top heavy because it looked like this giant yellow ball. And I'm talking like four feet in diameter, like huge ball. But then he had like his two regular See, human legs I, sticking <laughs> out of the bottom. And that's what I want to do because I think it's funny. Yeah, it was it was great though because there was this guy was walking through really thick crowds in Comic-Con. And I don't know if there was a guy, I think it was, he had his friend helping him out to balance because his costume was so big. So basically what I saw was this guy walking around as Pikachu while this other guy hugged the side of his costume and like walked alongside him the whole time to guide him. And it was just this very awkward thing, but I guess it's commitment to look cool maybe <laughs> i'm not really sure well i that was my original plan i'm like this is going to be amazing i'm yeah. this big japanese mascot and then um i realized how much money those things either cost to buy and or make so right. i scrapped the idea hopefully one day i can do how it. much money do you we're talking yeah. minimum 200 bucks so i was like that's a lot for sounds, a halloween sounds about that's right. a lot for a halloween costume just to screw around on for one day a year <laughs> so uh we will not be doing that okay um, there you go yeah, so that's, you know, whatever. It's Halloween. It's all fun and games. The right? older I get, I feel like I value comfortable cosplays more than anything. Like, and you still want something is... intricate and cool, but, I mean, if you want to have something where you can, like, comfortably, like, be around in and for, yeah, like, hours and that's why time, I'm you know? doing Dustin from Stranger Things for this party, and I can nice, just relax, yeah. and, you know, i, I got to <laughs> learn the lyrics to the Never Ending Story theme song, but... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, Anyway, uh, let's get back to the show. What are we, uh, are we watching anything, reading anything? Yeah, so I was actually kind of racking my brain before the show, but I realized um, we watched this uh, new movie on Netflix called Fractured. Have you heard of this at I, all? I've or? heard of this. I have okay. not watched it. So, you know, I feel like lately it's every weekend you go on Netflix and there's some, like, big, like, featured yeah, movie they're or show. Yeah, because they're pumping out content. Yeah. And, they're, and it, they'll have, like, the trailer that plays and sometimes... They're scared. They only got a couple weeks to go before <laughs> Disney Plus launches. Yeah. So. Um, but this week it was, uh, or this past weekend it was Fractured was, like, the show that was on... And uh, my wife turned it on, and it just looked like this weird, like, medical drama thing. I didn't really know what it was going to be, but I thought I was going to be bored going into it. But this was, like, one of the most intense movies I've seen in such a long time. And it's one of those things where I don't... I can't say much because it could totally spoil everything. But I will say what ends up happening at the beginning of the movie is a guy's with his family on a road trip. And um, an accident occurs and his daughter gets injured. So him, his wife, and his daughter drive to a nearby hospital. Um, at some point, they need to do a CAT scan on his daughter. Um, and the husband has to wait in the waiting room because they said there's only, like, one person allowed in the CAT scan, CAT scan room. And so that's where he is separated from his wife and his daughter. Uh, he falls asleep in the waiting room. He wakes up and... He doesn't know where they are. 
the hospital isn't helping him find them, and he's kind of freaking out because he's separated from his family. I'll leave it there because I don't want to spoil anything, but this is like a movie that, like, if you want a thriller that's just going to keep you on the edge of your seat, watch this movie because it was just so super intense, and this is a movie that will have you sweating, it'll have chills going down your spine, and it'll have you, like, really pissed off, too, during, like, while you're watching it, and it's definitely just, like, a really, really good thrill ride, so... I'd highly re- recommend it. I don't know if I consider it, like, the greatest movie ever or anything like that, but it is, like, it does really well what it's setting out to do, I guess is the best thing I could say about it. Um, other than that, at work, we've been watching Lost a lot in the background while nice. I've been working, and that's been super fun. Um, I haven't watched Lost, so I watched Lost one time through. I've watched every episode once. And it's been going on 10 years since I've watched an episode of the show. So, like, I know the show decently well. I know all the characters. I know a lot of the stuff that happens. But on this rewatch at work and having it on in the background, I feel like here and there at work I'll look up at the TV and be like, I completely forgot about this happening. (laughs) Like, wait, who's that character again? And I can't believe how much stuff I've actually forgotten. And it's kind of cool because... Lost has so many good m- moments. Like, there's so many good character moments, It like, all across the series. And I remember certain ones so vividly. But then Is I'll watch the show. Is it on Netflix right now? I think we're watching it on Hulu. Okay. I know um, it was on Netflix for a time, and then I don't know yeah. what it's on. Um, I just I have the DVDs, so I just haven't watched it in a while. <laughs> I've been meaning to. And yeah. hearing you say that is actually really cool because it's um the... Uh, hearing you say that's nice because... It's it all seems so fresh in my mind. Yeah. Like cuz I just I remember so much about it and I was one of those shows that I really invested in myself into so and I just have this like weird like eidetic memory kind of thing so like I feel like I just know everything and then yeah. It's it it is one of those and I don't know if maybe you might remember stuff better than me but I'm watching the show and like yeah, I know everything that's going on at, like, each part of the series, but then I also for- have forgotten so many little details. And then, like I said, I've only watched the show through once, so there are little cool little things that I've been noticing along the way, like, kind of things when you watch, like, season one. Like, if you've watched the series through, you go back and watch the early episodes, and you notice things like... I don't want to spoil anything, so I don't want to say anything. But the, you've noticed, the show's been over for a long time. I know, but you know, okay. Spoiler alert for Lost, or potential spoiler alert <laughs> yeah. for Lost, coming up in 20 seconds or whatever. Um, I noticed that John Locke is the first person to encounter the smoke monster. Oh, okay. And so, like, when that came up, and I noticed that, I was like, wait, is John the first person to see this creature out of all of them? And, like... Uh, this other girl in my office like has watched the show a couple times. She's like, yep, yeah, he is. And I was like, that's so cool. That's such like a cool little like touch that's like foreshadowing. And I don't know if they planned it out or not. I wonder if that's foreshadowing so much as they as things developed, they went back and looked at things going, well, he was the first one, so we're going to make sure this happened. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. That's true, but then it's also like when he's... Yeah, that's I don't a, know. It's a really weird way of retconning something. Oh, yeah. So... There's a really good, uh, sorry, I could, I have another, this is a total different tangent, but, uh, 
One of my favorite uh, manga and anime series is this series called uh, Bakuman that is a series about manga creators. So it's like a a fictionalized shonen jump that all these characters are working at and they're creating mangas. And it talks about the process of making Japanese comics. And there's this one part where they talk about just what you're saying where you can come to a certain point in a story that you're making and you don't know where to go next. But a good thing you can do is go back in the series and reread everything you've written. Or, like, in the case of Lost, sure. like, go back to the beginning and notice details and be like, oh, well, then, since this happened way back when, we can put this future event in this new and episode. And this looks like foreshadowing. Exactly, and it makes it look like we had it planned all along. And it's a really cool trick to think about, so I just love that stuff. It is so. a cool trick to think about. I like to think... Um, I... <sighs> That's, that's not how I write. I plan a lot of stuff out going, haha, this is foreshadowing because I know I'm doing this later kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. But it's also like if you're... Neither of us has, has written like a serialized TV show or yeah. comic book that's gone on for years. Yeah. So, you can see the point where like you might forget about something or you might even just notice a little touch that you want to put like right. bring back into the end of the show so right. like you wonder if in the show lost if they wanted to use like an opening eye as a motif for the show or if they just wanted to start off the first episode that way you know what i mean oh sure because it's like yeah that's how the show starts but did they really plan to use that as a motif to begin with or did they just go back and say like no we're gonna have a lot of shots of opening eyes on the show because that's like a cool little thing that we kind of learned as we went. So. Yeah, well, that also could have been an Abrams thing because he directed the first two episodes. So that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anything else? Though, I mean, that's pretty much all, all I've watched. Unless you want to just keep talking about Lost, that's cool. Too. Oh, we did, did we just spent the whole episode. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Happy Halloween. We're gonna talk Lost the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I. Uh, I. I, I wish I had more time. This was this has been a very busy, crazy... I have some crazy things going on in my life right now, so I have not had a chance to watch things the way I would have liked to watch. I did... Um, Riverdale, however, started. Cool. Um, so I watched the first two episodes of Riverdale. Um, it's The first two episodes were interesting because Luke Perry, who's on the show Riverdale, um, he passed away. Everybody... Like, that was a big news thing when Luke Perry died. Yeah. And... Um, on Riverdale, they hadn't handled it, hadn't handled it, hadn't handled it. The season ended, and they still hadn't addressed Luke Perry's death. If you look into the minutia of how things work, those episodes from the end of Riverdale were already filmed before he died. So he was in those episodes. So they didn't get a chance to really cover Luke Perry passing away, or at least say, you know, the In Memoriam episode or whatever, because every now and then when a cast member dies or someone, you'll, you'll see at the end of a television show... Um, in memory of this mm. person. So what happened was, is the very first episode of Riverdale this season, Archie's dad dies in like a car accident. And the whole episode is Archie not only dealing with that, but going to pick up his dad's body, bring it home. Like it's a really touching, just straight um, funeral episode. The whole hour is just like, the passing of the character. Yeah. Um, and it was amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. Um, it was probably one of the coolest episodes of television, period. It's just a, such a solid show. Um, but the second episode felt like the season opener for the season. Mm. 
So it's not going to get weird till next week, but this <laughs> no, episode, the second episode yeah. felt like a normal season. Yeah, I guess they just had to open it that way because, like you said, they never had a chance to uh, address, you know, uh, Luke Perry's death. Um, but, yeah, that is that is very interesting. Um, yeah, so... I, I really need to catch up on that show. I um, The show is great. I just... It, it kind of like threw me for a loop that that yeah. happened. Like, wow, okay. I was actually going to start rewatching Riverdale. Um, I think between uh, this episode and the last one we, we recorded, and I honestly couldn't remember which episode I left off on, so I didn't, <laughs> didn't restart it. But I might do like a quick Wikipedia episode summary read through just to figure out where I left off and then get back on it because... Honestly, I just really want to know what's the deal with, like, the Gargoyle King and, like, this weird, like, folk horror stuff that looks to be going on. So, yeah. And it's, <laughs> and it's awesome. Nice. That's all I got to say. Is it's really cool. Um, I was really, like, happy with it. And I know I've talked to some people who are not into what they were doing okay. um, on Riverdale last season. Um, but as the show got – the weirder the show got – the more I was like, I have to watch this. What's happening next? So I, <laughs> yeah. I definitely say that I am I'm completely invested and I really like the show and I feel like I shouldn't, but it's a fantastic. So Riverdale guys, keep up the great work. <laughs> um, well, let's talk. Uh, oh, you know what else you and I both watched was uh, the trailers for Onward and Jungle Cruise. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, which do you want to talk about first? Actually, let's talk about Onward first. That sounds good. We brought up Onward before when they did the announcement trailer, so it looked like a modern-day fantasy tale. Yeah. Um, now we're getting the first story, tra- first story trailer. What did you uh, What do you think of that? Yeah, so um, the last time we talked about this movie, I kind of talked about how the world they're in reminds me a lot of Bright from like the movie yeah, yeah. Bright. Um, your cartoon version of Bright. Yeah, and it still does look like that, but the story is so vastly different than Bright was, you know, and it, it just looks really fun. Like, it's, I, I mean, I don't, I guess it's not really total spoilers, but basically what happens is uh, the two main characters who are brothers um, learn about the spell that can bring their father back to life for 24 hours. And uh, they <laughs> they use, like, his old wand, their father's old wand, to do the spell. And the father is basically resurrected from the waist down. <laughs> and they realize they have one day to... Uh, Fix it? Yeah, to, to basically resurrect the rest of his body because otherwise, like... The spell ends and then... That's yeah, it. And, the, and they never got to even interact with him. Um, so that starts their journey where they're obviously, like, on this road trip-esque this quest looks across like, the country to figure out how like to solve this it, in classic Pixar fashion, we're going to ball our eyes out with this kids meeting their dad for the first time story. Yeah. But we're going to get, it looks like we're getting almost like a goofy movie-esque road trip movie. Yeah, I would that's say what that. I'm, that's what I look at it in the realm of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think, like, because, like, the older brother has this big nerdy... Uh, van with like fantasy murals on the sides and stuff it kind of gave me uh fanboys vibes a little bit as well as uh i mean some of the stuff because they're traveling with the basically just the pants and you know legs pants and shoes of their father like there's kind of some like weekend at bernie's stuff. so it, it looks definitely fun i think the the humor in it, like, I don't know if I watched the trailer and noticed anything that, like, had me laughing out loud, but a lot of just their kind of 
the kind of fantasy takes on like stopping at the gas station when you're on the road trip and like a lot of these tropes we see in uh road trip movies like they kind of had me going like oh that's pretty clever oh that looks really fun so it looks like a good ride it looks like something like it looks like a world i want to spend time in so i'm looking forward to it yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> um and then uh the jungle cruise trailer yeah so uh, first off everything you said about onward i'm yeah exactly so it's <laughs> yeah just, you kind of took all the words from me <laughs> sorry about that. uh jungle cruise you've never been to disney have you no Okay, is so this a ride? It is. Okay. Um, so Jungle Cruise is a ride a la Pirates of the Caribbean. We're going to make another ride. Uh, you know, they made they took the ride, the Pirates of the Caribbean, made a movie. Now yeah. we're going to take another one of our rides, make a movie. Um, so I went on Jungle Cruise um, back a long time ago when I went to Disney. And I Jungle Cruise is actually, honestly, it's kind of fun. You get on a boat and you go take a river cruise down the jungle and yeah hippos come at you and uh natives come at you and like this is just it's just one of those like immersive universe type rides um and i had heard a long time ago that they were going to do the jungle cruise movie with the rock i have a feeling this got filmed ages ago and they've been sitting on it for whatever reason um <laughs> what did you think of the trailer? Because I have, I'm bringing it up. I, I there's some things I wanted to say about it. That's why I'm asking what you thought. Of yeah, it. I mean, it, it looks, it looks like a fun adventure film. Like I liked certain parts of the trailer. I liked certain parts. I didn't. I'm having this issue with The Rock. I think more and more as time goes on. Where when The Rock started being in movies, I think I was all for it. Like I was like, okay, this is actually cool, and I actually like his personality and stuff. But the more I see him in movies, the more I just see him as himself, as opposed to whatever character okay. he's trying to play. It's funny that you bring this up, yeah, because this is exactly what I was thinking when I was watching the trailer. <laughs> yeah, Be the Rock in the trailer. Like, I have nothing against the Rock. I like the Rock, and I like almost every like every almost every movie or role I've seen him do. I've enjoyed him in. Yeah. However. This trailer, he is the only thing that looks out of place in the yeah. trailer. Like, it almost looks like like he's, like, from the future, <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't have any place in this story. It didn't make sense. I'm like, it's mm -hmm. the only part of the movie that was out of place or in the trailer, and I'm like, this is weird. So I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Otherwise, the movie looks fun. I, I just, kind of agree with what you're saying. I just don't know, like what role he should have played instead or where he could fit into this world that they created. But yeah, I totally was kind of on the same page. Like he's a, uh, he's this guy who runs like this river cruise through the jungle on this kind of like old beaten up jalopy of a right. boat. And, and what's interesting about that at the beginning of the trailer, when you see him running that jungle cruise, yeah, it looks like the ride. Like, it all oh, looks that's cool. fake. Like, it's yeah. all mechanisms. Like, he's just doing it to get money, and it's all, like, a fake ride when he's oh, taking people on these cruises. And then this girl who has this actual, like, thing she's got to go look for hires him. Yeah. And they have to go on a legitimate jungle cruise. That actually... That's actually an interesting idea. Because, like... That's what I got from the trailer. I just... This looks fake. And then <laughs> they started the actual adventure. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. Because, like, my feeling with, like, seeing the way his boat looked and it looked all rickety and weird and stuff. 
I didn't see him like a guy who looks like him being the captain of that boat. Like I right. saw like maybe just this weird like lanky old guy like running it or something like that. And then the other thing that you kind of mentioned is they show I think the trailer's edited weird and I don't want to get like too critical of like this the trailer for Jungle Cruise, but they basically set up the trailer where you know that Emily Blunt's character is going to try to get to this uh, end goal of hers. And then it cuts to uh, the Rock's cruise boat. And so the way the trailer's edited, they make it seem like Emily Blunt is already on the boat. But then you find out that, that is not the case, and that was just a scene to introduce his character. And then it shows them both meet off of the boat and it was just kind of like this really confusing thing for me oh, where I was like okay. oh I guess they're not on their journey yet and they're meeting off yeah, of yeah, the yeah. boat now and stuff like that so I don't know the movie looks fun but The Rock doesn't look like he fits the movie that's the yeah. that was what I got from the trailer I'm like this is weird but whatever maybe it'll grow <laughs> on me I'll, I'll, I'll we'll probably watch we'll, it we'll see <laughs> yeah um, do you want to talk about uh, Batman real quick okay okay so Matt Reeves The Batman uh, the Batman movie we're supposed to be getting in 2021. We're still waiting way longer than I want yeah. to for this movie. But uh, we had some casting details drop, which are awesome. So we know Robert Pattinson's playing Batman mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon, which I'm all for. Jonah Hill was in talks to join the movie in an undisclosed role. He is officially out. He's no longer going to be in the movie, which is fine. I mean, that would have been cool, but whatever. Yeah. Um, the news that's really exciting that I'm happy about is Zoe Kravitz is cast as Catwoman. Yeah. How do you feel about this? I think it's like, a perfect I fit. I am like, all for this. Like, right away, it was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I could see her play, And I don't know if she's going to be, like, the Selena Kyle version of the character. I think, I'm I think she's going she she to be Selena Right Kyle. away, I was like, I could see this happening. I think she's a great pick. Um, I've liked her as an actor in most things I've seen her in. And, like... I said this before um, about, like, the Catwoman role, but for some reason, like, I always just feel like if you get an actress who kind of has, like, an edgy look to her, like, I think that fits Catwoman really well, and I think Zoe Kravitz definitely has that. Oh, yeah, I don't, no. It, it's hard to put, I like, really, into words, I really like but... Zoe Kravitz. I just, I was all for this as soon as I read it. Um, yeah. I'm like, that's cool. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other casting news for the Batman is Paul Dano has been cast as the Riddler. Right. Um, now you're, now we're up to a two villain count. Well, I'll get back to that in a second. Paul Dano, um, if you don't recognize the name, he was in, uh, Girl Next Door. He was in the movie Taking Lives. He was in, you mentioned something before we started Uh, Little Miss Sunshine. He was in Little Miss Sunshine. He's, he's a really great actor, but if you just look at his face, he's the Riddler. Yeah. Like, he looks like Edward Nygma. Awesome. Like, I'm totally down for this. Um, but if we do a villain count, that means we have Catwoman and Riddler, and that brings us up to two villains. Now rumored that the Batman is supposed to be the long Halloween storyline, which means there's a chance that there's going to be many more villains to come because almost everybody is... I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. Like, they're going to have... They're probably going to have to chop some stuff out to adapt it to the screen, but almost every villain is in the in the long Halloween story. So there could be plenty more to come. Um, Sweet. But do you have any thoughts on Paul Dano or no? Um, he's another one. Like, I haven't seen him in anything for a long time. I've liked I've liked him in the movies that I've seen him in, but most of the stuff I've seen him in, he was playing, like, a teenager, you know, like Girl Next Door yeah. and Will and Miss Sunshine. 
And I know I've heard like he's in Looper and he plays like a creepy role or something in that. I haven't seen Looper. Um, so it's kind of like I've heard that he's going to fit into this role perfectly. I just haven't seen him play that sort of role. I'm really kind of curious if he got the role they wanted Jonah Hill to play, which I think is funny because uh, when Adam was on our show and you guys were talking about sci-fi TV, yeah, you guys mentioned this and uh, you guys both agreed that you could see him play the... You could you could see Jonah yeah. Hill play the Riddler, so I think it's kind of interesting. Like, is that who they wanted, and were you guys right on the money? I don't know. Yeah, you know? maybe I don't know either. So we'll, we'll, there might be more to the Jonah Hill story. I just yeah, I you know I just saw that Paul Dano got cast and he looks like him. And yeah. why not? That Jonah Hill story though, I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to like dwell on this too long, but. I've never seen, like, a, like everywhere I went, people were talking about this for some reason. Like, I heard it about it on the radio and just people yeah. at work, and it's just kind of like... It wasn't Why it wasn't was Jonah Hill in talks to being in Batman such a big deal? I don't know. It just seemed like it was everywhere yeah, yeah. for some reason. Um, well, since we're on DC, because we had some Marvel stuff to cover, but since we're on DC, um, the CW crossover is basically getting... Ev- like, we've talked about it many, many times. They're getting as many television things as they possibly can get. Yeah. Okay, so, nice. this is interesting. According to YouTube personality Pagey, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, however, check this. Uh, check this. Okay, so reports that the characters from DC Universe's Titans are set to appear in the Crisis and Infinite Infinite Earths crossover on the CW. According to Pagey, who has been a reliable source of information regarding the Arrowverse in the past, uh, DC Universe Titans will be part of the upcoming crossover. Uh, Pagey states that their scene has already been filmed, but it's unclear which Titan characters will appear in the five-part event. And the scene is set to take place at Titans Tower. Neat. This is awesome. I didn't expect the Titans at all to be a part of this because the CW seemed to be more, when they were, as they were pulling characters, it seemed to be very more network. Yeah. Um, with, you know, Smallville, the rest of the Arrowverse stuff, um, pulling in the um, Birds of Prey thing from a long time ago, like more network television. Yeah. Than reaching out to, like, DC Universe, but it's DC, and they can do whatever they want, and here we go, we have this other TV show that's amazing, we want to put these characters in. Yeah, I mean, it's very Um, cool, it's super exciting, um, I keep thinking about this crossover, um, do you know the DC toy line that I think it's, like, I don't know what it's called, it's, like, Universes of DC, Oh, like, uh, characters from the multiverse or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, like, and and it's it's basically they have action figures that are all to the same scale, but they can make action figures from the comics and the movies and the TV yeah. shows and it's all game, which is really cool because if I was a kid, I would have wanted that where I can use like the Tim Burton movie Batman and fight against the animated series Joker and the yeah. it's still part of the same series and it all fits together and it's the same size and uh I feel like those action figures are now becoming the action figures for this special. <laughs> it's right. like that's just for this crossover because they're just throwing everything in there. And it's also at the point where I almost feel like they should bring in like uh, 
Mr. Mixia's Pitalik or something like that. Well, he and was like, in Supergirl. Well, I so feel in like the Arrowverse crossover. Like the, I feel like could, he should come in and do some weird tricks and uh, create like an animated segment of this crossover or something. Because no, like it's getting to the point where it's like, why not <laughs> with well, all the stuff they're bringing? I'll tell in, you, so. I haven't I haven't watched the first episode of Arrow yet. But I'm really excited to because um, this week's episode of The Flash um, heavily started talking about the crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to be getting teased about the crisis leading up to the actual event. We're not very far away. Really, I'm just so excited for what they're doing. Um, so I'm going to stop talking about this be- <laughs> until it happens because I don't want to yeah. bore our listeners with the fact that they all <laughs> should be watching the Arrowverse. Um, let's jump over to Marvel and jump across the pond to Marvel. Um, couple things. First off, Deadpool is coming to the MCU. Cool. Yeah, I heard about yeah, this. Yeah, I heard about this. Okay, so Ryan Reynolds sent out, put a thing up on Instagram about him, um, auditioning for, uh, Tony Stark's, uh, brother. Um, but the, it was like, uh, I auditioned for Tony Stark's brother, but that's not necessarily what they wanted. Um, <laughs> he made it cryptic, but all the other reports are... Um, Deadpool is officially coming to the MCU. Um, and then I saw this today. Um, a Deadpool writer said that Marvel has given them permission to continue making R-rated films for the Deadpool franchise. Okay, that's So good. what this yeah. says to me is that Deadpool will remain R-rated, which it needs to, but in the event that they are doing um, a solo uh, Deadpool film, it'll be rated R, but in crossover terms, like an Avengers film, or if he appears in a Spider-Man, or if he yeah. appears over in like Thor or something, it'll be PG-13. So I just have a feeling that's how Deadpool will be handled from here on out. So if it's a big like team film, yeah, you know, if he has to make an appearance in Black Panther, it's going to be PG-13. But the solo films will all be rated R. Yeah. The only thing that bugs me in my head is that now, where does Deadpool get shelved in the line? <laughs> on my shelf because in, in right now because right now Deadpool is not under M for Marvel because until the Fox deal it wasn't a part of the Marvel Universe and now it's part of the Marvel Universe yeah it's, I mean I feel like does Deadpool, it make me rethink it or not I feel like I'm gonna still think of the Deadpool solo uh, films as their own little pocket universe where anything goes and like yeah he's gonna come in and out of the Marvel films but I don't know. I don't know what to tell you right, there. Right. It's just weird. So. Um, so, yeah, so that was exciting. Um, Venom director uh, Ruben Fletcher said that Sony is building towards the confrontation between Tom Hardy's Venom and Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Cool. We've talked about this, but it was but we've talked about this in the past. It was all rumor before. Now it's actual, um, like, in-writing verbiage like this is what we're building towards yeah Um, we all kind of hoped for it um so that yeah i mean it's exciting it's kind of uh i think it's cool it's interesting that they're building towards it because when the first venom came out we didn't really know what this series was gonna be (laughs) like is this gonna be its own little like venom universe or is are you know are they gonna bring spider-man into it it sounds like they're basically making a spider verse over at sony yeah which is exciting i Personally, I'm just, like, so much more excited to see Venom and, like, see him, like, battle other characters. Like, I feel like there's been so much Spider-Man lately that I'm kind of on Spider-Man fatigue a little bit, and I just want to see more Venom. So, 
to me, it's like I kind of don't care either which way if Spider-Man makes an appearance, but I guess it is cool to show, like, they are taking this Venom universe somewhere. They're planning on bringing Tom Holland into it. It's probably showing maybe more the longevity of this, like, Sony yeah. Spider-Verse. So, and really exciting towards stuff. Symbiote Wars and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That's, that's really exciting shit. Mm-hmm. So, um... Here's the big one, which I think is interesting. We talked about Kevin Feige coming over and working on Star Wars for a little bit, okay? A lot of people, if you poke around the internet, and it's funny because I talked on the show how I think Kevin Feige's coming over to kind of go, hey, let's produce a movie together and get you guys, uh, let's do a Star Wars movie for fun Mm -hmm. and then get you guys on a track to kind of get your ball rolling post-Episode 9. Um. And other reports say Kevin Feige's coming over and joining this Lucasfilm team, and that's what he's doing. This is an interesting story. Kevin Feige has been promoted to the role of Marvel Chief Creative Officer. And if you want to know what that means, he will now oversee film, television, animation, and publishing. Wow. So everything that happens over at Marvel on all facets, film, television, cartoon animation and comic book publishing goes through Feige. So we are making a very cohesive Marvel universe. Um, I thought that was very interesting to hear. Um, Congrats to Kevin Feige uh, because he's done wonders over there at Marvel. But in terms of him, what's the longevity with Star Wars? Yeah. Is what I was questioning. Um, So he's going to be doing all this great stuff over Marvel like he always has been. But with Star Wars, like he's coming over for the one movie. Do you know what I mean? And is that confirmed, or that's just what you're speculating? I'm. It's confirmed that he's going to go work with Lucasfilm and produce and help produce a movie. Right. So it's not like he's directing; he's a producer. Yeah. So, but him being a producer over at Marvel, we saw what he did. A lot of people were saying that they think he's going to be doing that over for Star Wars. Well, if he is, that's cool. But because of what's now going on at Marvel, yeah, and him overseeing all this stuff, I have a feeling yeah. this Star Wars thing might be a. So, because post-episode 9, we're supposed to get a break, like a two-year break before another Star Wars movie. So, you have your, you do your episode 9 comes out, and then we have a break, and then during that break, <laughs> Kevin Feige's it's over really, there going, hey, let's get up, this is what we should do, and help him get things It's just funny, though, because it's really not a break, because then you've got The Mandalorian come out. I know, out and <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm so excited, because I'm going to, am I getting a break? No, because we have The Mandalorian, yeah. and we have Clone Wars, and we have, you know. So I feel like. It's the best time to be a Star Wars fan, so. With Marvel, like, post-Endgame, we all had no idea what direction they were going. And now, like, they've kind of released, like, the movies that are coming out. Like, they've made a lot of announcements. They've got different shows. And we kind of have a concrete view of where Marvel is going. DC is kind of still a big question mark. I haven't seen Joker yet, so I don't know if any questions are answered in that. But DC kind of just seems like a... Bit of a hodgepodge. I'm not really sure where it's going. And the same thing with Star Wars after Episode Nine. Like, again, it's like a big question mark. What direction are they going to go in? So, I mean, Kevin Feige producing a Star Wars movie, cool. But where are they going to take this? What's going to happen? Right. I'm really curious. You well, know? and they have. So they have. Uh, so Kevin Feige has not Kevin Feige, but they've announced that there's a trilogy with the. Game of Thrones showrunners, David Benioff and Yeah, yeah of course. Um, is that what Kevin Feige's working on? Or is Kevin Feige working on something new? Is that trilogy still happening? I don't know. 
What I do know is, is in the interim of episode nine ending and whatever movies come out, yeah, we're getting the Mandalorian. We're getting an Obi Wan Kenobi series. We're getting a, a Cassian Andor series. We're getting the Clone Wars finishing out. Like we're getting all this Star Wars content, and that has nothing to do with the movies, but that all fits in the cohesive universe that they've been building for so long. No, and so. I like that, but I do like the idea of like you have the the Skywalker saga, which is now like. You know, it's going to be nine movies long. And you had, like, they started doing side movies like Solo and Rogue One, and those were really fun. But I do like the idea of having this core group of movies that kind of is, like, leading the pack and is, like, kind of this overarching storyline that you can follow along with. And I don't feel that, that Star Wars has that at this point. Or they might have it. No, not that they don't have it, but <laughs> um, it's just what? kind of like, what is that story going to be after episode 9 okay, comes out? Okay, fair enough. Where are they going to go? Yeah, I, I where, just want to Where know. Marvel can always pull up a comic book and just start going. Yeah. And Star Wars was always written for the screen. Well, be and because of the way Marvel works, you always know their phases are going somewhere. Like, they have this big overarching oh, story they want to tell. I'm saying I would be more excited for the future Star Wars movies if I knew kind of an like idea of where was. they're going or where the goal is. And it's or, interesting you, know, you say that because yeah. maybe that's what Kevin Feige is doing. He's coming over to say, hey, you mate, we took Marvel and did phase one. This yeah. is what we did. Phase two, this is what we did. And we moved. And maybe, and maybe not necessarily using the Marvel model for Star Wars, but maybe using the phase model for Star Wars mm-hmm. and saying, hey, if you're going to make 20 more movies – Break it down into, hey, we're going to do the Old Republic phase. Boom. And we tell this story in the past. We do like five or six movies bands to the Old Republic. But now we want yeah. to tell this grouping, you know. So that's an and interesting I, point of saying. Yeah, and I'm cool with that. I would like – I do like that uh, in Star Wars it took one trilogy for Luke to fight Vader, for example. Or sure. to, you know. I don't – and I feel like the one thing that – annoyed me a little bit about the first like is it three phases of marvel is that it took so long for the everybody to face off against thanos like it took so many how about this you saw at the end of avengers 2 you saw the infinity gauntlet for the first time in the post-credit scene and then there was probably 12 more movies you had to sit through before you ever saw it again yeah and that's like, I guess I do like the immediacy of the Star Wars series where I don't ne- necessarily want them to stretch everything out into super long phases where it moves at like a snail's pace. I still want that immediacy to be there right. because, I mean, Star Wars in- is influenced by like, you know, space opera serials that George Lucas watched as a kid's kid. It's like immediate sort of storytelling. And I kind of want that spirit to still be there. I yeah. want it to be fast-paced and exciting and that's one of the issues i mean i i do like the marvel cinematic universe a lot but that is one of my issues with uh, with it is like it took so long for them to fight this big baddie like i don't know it just i don't know (laughs) no i understand i understand um so i got one more piece of news and then we can start talking about the list yeah um i didn't know how to take this i'm curious what you got to say this is about matrix four Yes. Did you hear about the casting for Matrix 4? Someone, <laughs> I, someone's been added to the movie. Did you hear about this? I've been, like, very lazily following Matrix 4. You know what? News, so. You know what? I have, too, <laughs> because part of me doesn't care. Yeah, and that's the thing is I know it's happening, but it's like they're going to have to show me something really cool for me to get interested you in You know this, what? Then you know? this is going to get you interested. 
Neil Patrick Harris has landed a role in the upcoming fourth installment of the Matrix franchise. Okay. I mean, I like Neil Patrick Harris, um, but... I like Neil Patrick Harris. I thought he was great in Gone Girl in terms of serious roles. I just really, honestly, did not know how to take this. <laughs> right. Like, what? Like, I honestly didn't know how to take Neil Patrick Harris in The Matrix. I could see him as an agent, for sure. Maybe, as an agent, um, maybe he's the weird, like, I mean, he's got, beca- it's because of How I Met Your Mother, and the Harold and Kumar movies, <laughs> and, like, he there's, like, has, has he's got so much, like, comedy stuff in his life, post, you know, in his yeah. return to uh, the page that I just don't see it because I don't know and I don't know anything about the movie other than what I other than the previous films and he doesn't fit in those previous films at all I don't know for some reason and I don't I have no idea in my head anyway I don't I have no like no idea why but I never saw him as only a comedy actor and that's probably why I'm having such a hard time with this but like most of what I've seen him in is comedy but I just always like like, you mentioned Gone Girl. Like, I see him in the role he plays in Gone Girl, and for me, it just felt perfectly natural. Oh, like, no him and Gone Girl made complete sense. So Right. So, I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, it's cool that he's going to be in Matrix 4. Is Matrix 4 going to be a sequel or a prequel? Or? Who knows? Okay. I just... When I... <laughs> When I thought of when I thought of Neil Patrick Harris in a black trench coat and sunglasses doing kung fu, I didn't know how to take it. <laughs> see, I don't. So, for me, I feel like it could work. Like I could see it I either just, way. So I don't know. Right, we get, we're gonna have to agree to disagree until we see the movie. I just <laughs> yeah. was like, what? Okay. So, yeah. All right, that was it for news. Um, <laughs> you want to talk the list tonight? Yeah, sounds awesome. good. Fantastic. So, uh, Ryan, it's about to get very spooky in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Ryan, it's time for the list. So play the thing. for the top five. Awesome. All right. Well, like we said at the top of the show, happy Halloween, everybody. And the only way, and I wanted to find horror news, but in terms of horror film news, there wasn't a lot that really made me get excited. So I just figured we'll do the show as normal, but time to talk kind of horror movies this evening. Yeah. Um, so Peter and I have decided that we are going to do uh, vampire movies. Um, sure. By the way, it's your pick tonight, so I hope you have a list oh, prepared. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, so, yeah, so uh, tonight we're uh, discussing um, vampire films and our favorite vampire films. I am a huge fan of vampire lore and mythology. Um, I don't know where you sit on this, so I found this list very difficult to do because the ungodly amount of vampire films that exist, I've seen a very vast amount of them. And it was difficult to create a short list and then narrow it down to just yeah. five. This, um, it's that's actually kind of funny. I'm a bit of the opposite where I and I was gonna mention this too. Like I love horror movies. Like it's one of my favorite genres. I think they're really really fun to watch. But a big thing I get into with horror movies is like uh, creature design, especially like I love monster movies and vampires. I think I've never gotten like super into. Like I like a good vampire story, but. A lot of vampire movies, like, the vampires just look like normal people, and I don't get drawn into it from a creature design sense. And I think, like, I like vampires, but I don't think they were ever my favorite. Like, I'd always pit be the guy who'd be more into, like, werewolves or, like, different yeah. kind of, or zombies or different monsters. So 
I've actually haven't seen as many vampire movies as I thought I did. So you might name a lot that I haven't even watched. I do have, I have a solid I have list a feeling, that I feel good. I have with, a feeling but... you and I will uh, match on at least one of them. Okay, fair enough. Um, and and I will say like there are some movies on my list that are some of my favorite movies ever. Really? Yeah, but the thing is just like I realized I haven't watched a ton of vampire movies, so it just I don't know. It yeah, okay. an interesting thing. Well, so. I, I yeah, I had a hard time and narrowing it down. What so. else is funny is I realized that I've I think I might have watched more vampire TV than movies. Like, or maybe not more, but I get I got really into True Blood, and I really love like the Helsing anime series, for example. And it's just like I feel like vampires and long term storytelling works really well. Where like the movies don't always draw me. The in, movies so don't yeah. always draw me in either. Um, but I'll agree. And like I didn't even think about uh, the television side because I thought of True Blood right away, and I thought of like Vampire Diaries, which I didn't really yeah. watch. Um, but then I didn't even until just now it didn't dawn on me. And we've talked about it before. Castlevania totally falls oh, in this yeah. like aspect yeah. of vampire horror <laughs> television. Anytime that Netflix Castlevania series is brought up, I just get so excited. Yeah, right, I know. <laughs> I didn't and, have anything to say and besides. That, and oh that, hell yeah! But. Yeah, and it makes me excited for more <laughs> of that. Oh, and it makes wait. me excited because the animation team who did that was the same animation team doing Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah. So I'm just yeah, this is gonna be awesome. Um, <laughs> When is Castlevania coming back? I don't know. Like, you'd hope, you'd wish that they would have had more ready for this Halloween, but... There are only six episodes at a time. Come on, people. Wasn't, was season two only six? Maybe eight, but they're, they're, they're very short seasons. Just give me... Season one was four, I think, and season two was eight, I think. And, like, oh, okay. what was funny is I felt season two I don't was know. They're all way too easier to get through than season one. It's like, all season too short. one was good, but season two, I was like, couldn't stop watching it. Right. Know, so... Um, well, anyway, um, let me, uh, I'm like a little behind cause we're just yapping about this. I got to pull up the spreadsheet so we can start writing okay, stuff down. And... Um, do you want me to start then? Uh, do sure. you have honorable mentions at all? Um, I have, yes, I actually have three. Okay. So, <laughs> because I'm having a hard time, like I know our rule is two, but it was really hard. <laughs> so, so I have two and they're both, I feel like both of them are kind of goofy picks, but they're movies that. I don't love, but I like enough what they were trying to do that I had to pick them. And uh, the first one I wanted to mention is uh, Van Helsing, so the Hugh Jackman okay. movie. Uh, this is this is a movie that I disagree with you. This is not strictly vampire. Is that why? Because it has everybody in it besides... Or you just don't like the film? I don't like the film. Okay, and that's like... This is a movie that... I think it's... And I was talking with someone about this earlier today because they asked what list we were doing because yeah. they're like, hey, it's Thursday night's podcast night. What are you recording? And yeah. I said, hey, this is the list we're doing. And it got a, drove up a conversation at work. And then I had to explain my reasoning for not liking this movie. So. <laughs> well, I don't love... Like, I don't love this movie and I don't think it's <laughs> great, but I still enjoy it in the aspect of you're watching a shared universe movie between like all the sort of classic movie monsters monsters. and that's what i think is really cool about it i think there's an essence there of maybe how universal should have approached a shared monster universe like they could have taken the helsing approach where it like takes place in like victorian europe or something and it's all old school and kind of almost have more of a superhero approach to it. I you didn't think, think this did? 
No, I'm just saying like their newer monster universe oh, okay. they tried okay. to get going. They yeah, might yeah. Could, oh they could have yeah. maybe taken more of like I a think superhero. That's what they horror. were trying to do. Yeah, and I maybe I don't know. Then I don't know why it didn't work out because I didn't. I actually never saw the Mummy. Unfortunately, I, the Mummy actually wasn't bad. But you can see, and <laughs> and I thought they laid the groundwork pretty well. Okay, but uh, well, for I, what I, you were saying, Go I ahead. do think that like gothic horror, like you know, old, like, Victorian, like, gothic horror setting is, like, a cool thing that I think maybe could have drawn people in because it would have made it different enough from every other action movie that takes place yeah. in modern day. Like, that could have been something that drew, drew, drew them in. Um, and then this is another one where it's just, like, all the character designs and stuff in this movie I really enjoy. While admitting it, admitting that it's kind of just a dumb, fun movie is kind of what sure. I get out of it. One thing, uh, my last like little tidbit that I just like to throw in here is Vel Van Helsing is rated PG thirteen, and uh, you know how like when something gets a rating, they have like little like descriptions for why it yeah. has that rating. <laughs> so one, so on Vel Van Helsing, there's a little like one of those little bur blurbs says something like constant creature action or something like that is like one of the reasons why it's rated pg-13 and i always loved that like i thought wow. that was a really funny thing like i almost want to make a band called constant creature action or something i think that'd be really funny but uh i mean if you want to i mean you can talk about this movie at all like i don't blame you for not liking it i feel like most people don't i just I kind of liked aspects of the movie enough that it could make an, honor, an honorable mention for me. So, um, well, my biggest look: Hugh Jackman. The movie's fine. Kate Beckinsale's fine. The majority of the film is not bad. I really can't stand the director. He is like my least favorite director. Who directed Stephen it? Summers. He's like okay. He is my least favorite director. He directed um, the Brandon Fraser Mummy films. Um, he directed the GI Joe movie. Like oh okay. I he I don't. I just don't like his directing style, and he's got these really weird moments of, and I, I think it can't be, like, just script. It has to be, like, him putting these in. He's got these really, like, childish, like, humor moments that are put in very serious situations <laughs> okay. that take me out of the, it just, it drives me nuts. I understand that, but I guess, like, all the movies you mentioned that he directed I've never taken seriously enough to worry about it either. <laughs> well, way, maybe, so. but like, there's a scene in Van Helsing, specifically where uh, the one monk is talking to one of the girls about like what's going on. Yeah. And there's a gust of wind that blows through, and like, there's like two gusts of wind that blow through the room, and they're frantic and they're tense and they're having this like conversation, and you're kind of wrapped up in what's going on, so you don't really notice the gusts of wind because they don't really yeah. acknowledge it, and then. A third gust of wind comes through, closes the book on the table, and the monk goes, that happens a lot here. And then continues the conversation. And I'm right. like, that totally took me out of the seriousness of what's going on. Like, it, I just felt out of place. I get what you're saying. And this director, he does that stuff in all of his movies. Yeah. And it doesn't, it drives me absolutely insane. My other problem with Van Helsing, and this is the biggest problem I have, is when it comes to Dracula... He seemed pathetic. Okay. He seemed like a right. he seemed like a washed up rock star at the end of their like string. Yeah, I can and see that. And it just he just seemed completely pathetic in the way that we have always seen vampires and Dracula in the past in other things. Dracula is always the worst of them. Mm -hmm. There is some there could be some crappy vampires like that the way they were in 
the way he, Dracula was in Van Helsing, but Dracula has to be the number one baddie of the vampires. Yeah, so I he's think he's got to be the top tier. And they just, I felt like he was kind of shoehorned. Yeah. It, like, eh, we don't really. And need I'm just Dracula. like thinking of how Dracula is depicted in uh, the Castlevania series, and I think it's like what you're saying is like such a good criticism of the movie and it's not something that Dracula is my biggest problem yeah. with the movie and then I started like once you like I was fine with almost everything until I saw Dracula and then I really <laughs> started nitpicking the film okay so um fair enough yeah <laughs> okay so uh my first uh, honorable mention of the night is Underworld okay we actually matched this honorable is this mention. an honorable mention yeah, okay yeah. cool um this I absolutely loved this movie a lot but Something later in my actual pick will explain why it's only an honorable mention. Um, what do you have to say about it? Like, this was just a really unique tale on vampires yeah. and, like, looking into their society. And This is a movie that came out and I loved, and I really like the world they build and, like, the concept of, like, werewolves and va- vampires have been fighting each other for so long. Um, I really like a lot of the special effects they have in the movie, especially some of the werewolf stuff and kind of even in the sequels like the werewolves in underworld have always looked really cool um i kind of feel like they got their uh their werewolf designs from the movie the howling a little bit the original like late 70s werewolf movie the howling the howling and oh man i can't talk tonight um anyways but because the howling had those like really big ferocious monstrous werewolves and i feel like underworld did the same thing and uh I recently watched this movie. It was on some TV channel I was watching, and I was actually really appreciating the way that it was shot. Like, I think the cinematography in this movie is pretty cool, and there's a lot of just, like, striking ways that they film, like, you know, just rainy city alleys and stuff, and it kind of has, like, a really, like, film noir slash, like, comic book feel to the film, and I really enjoy that. My issue with Underworld, and this is an issue that has kind of bugged me through all the mov- all of the Underworld movies is I feel like the pacing... I feel like all the movies have a bit of a pacing issue where they take too long to get to the point. I felt and the like, third one had the pacing issue. And which one's the... Is that the... Rise of the Lichens? Okay, that one... I, th- I think that one's probably the worst of it, but I think I felt like that through all of them where I feel like they could have moved a little bit faster, but... That's really my only complaint with the series, so I mean... Yeah, no, I just, I really liked seeing this, that side, the the, the way the vampire society was really depicted. Yeah. I mean, yeah, them and the werewolves as well, but just the society of vampires and all that was all, like, yeah, you know, put together. I just really enjoyed it, and Kate Beckinsale was great, so, uh, overall, in all of them, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, my... Oh, so that we matched on honorable mention. So mm-hmm. my other honorable mention is a movie called Shadow of the Vampire. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one's great. Um, did this make your... No, never mind. I, I don't want to know yet. Um, I don't want to know yet. <laughs> no, so if it, it, it made fine. It's fine. No, I do, I do really like this movie, though. Uh, this movie's really cool. Um, if you don't know Shadow of the Vampire, I'm only going to... I know we usually... I like keeping honorable mentions short, but I feel like I need to br- mention what this is because um, one of the very first Dracula vampire films that ever existed is a silent film called Nosferatu. To this day, it is still probably one of the best vampire films. It honestly, even being an old school silent film, it still holds up. Mm-hmm. But as the story goes, the guy they cast to play the vampire in Nosferatu apparently, like, actually went insane, thought he was a vampire, 
for real and started like actually attacking the cast members. So they made a movie called Shadow of the Vampire, which is about the making of Nosferatu and dealing with this guy going insane and attacking cast members on the set. Yeah. Uh, John Malkovich is in it. It's a wonderful movie. Um, and uh, Willem Dafoe plays uh, Count Orlock, or uh, I think yeah. uh, I think the actor's name is Max Shrek. I want to say but Max Shrek is uh, who uh, Christopher Walken played in Batman Returns. But I think I think <laughs> I think that character is named after oh, okay. the actual actor. Okay. Um, like I'm like ninety something percent oh, sure, sure okay. that's his name. But uh, yeah, this movie's great because so there's like some really good moments in this movie. Like, uh, and I know we've talked about this movie on the podcast before. I don't know what episode, but. One of my favorite scenes is there's this part where uh, Willem Dafoe playing, you know, Count Orlock in this movie. He's sitting, like, they're not filming, they're taking a lunch break or something. And he catches, like, this, like, bird or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he starts, like, eating the bird and, like, sucking its blood and stuff. And there's two, um, there's two, like, film crew guys who are witnessing him do this. And it's, like, the creepiest thing. Like, it's so creepy, like, the way he plays it off. And they just chalk it up to he's method acting. They're like, oh, man, he's so committed right. to his craft. Right. And it's such, like, it takes... The movie takes Nosferatu, and it takes this old silent film that is still very striking looking and still fun to watch today, but it gives it such a ominous tone when you rewatch Nosferatu after watching that movie because then you're just thinking of, like this vampire character actually ter terrorizing the cast members and stuff. And, like, you know, Nosferatu is essentially, like, the story of Dracula and people die. And according to Shadow of the Vampire, like, some of those people actually did die. And it's just kind of... I don't know. It gives me chills thinking about it. Right. Like, I really like this one. Yeah, so. it's, it's awesome. Um, well, that uh, uh, end of our... Uh Honorable mentions, uh, first actual pick of the night. Okay. Um, well, actually, that could knock one out really quick. Uh, Shadow of Shadow the Vampire in my list. So Sweet. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I really love that film. It's really well done. Do you know who directed Shadow of the Vampire, uh, I could, by the I way? could look it up. That's, um, uh, that'd be a good one. But Yeah, I could look that up real quick. Um, did you have anything else you want to say on Shadow I mean, I said most of it just right now, but yeah. it's. Are you beating awesome. me to it at the moment? Maybe. <laughs> cool. Um, as we race um, for the movie, it came out in the year 2000. E. Elias Merhige or something? Merhige? Oh, yeah. I would have to check his credits and see what he did. But um, um, how about this? While you monkey around at that, my first actual pick of the night is Underworld 2. Oh, okay, nice. Um, the reason Underworld 2 makes my list... So a lot of times when you talk about franchises and you talk about um, the storytelling of movies, a lot of times it's the first one that makes the cut. Um, you know, where you're just like, wow, because that kind of sets the pace for everything. Yeah. But Underworld 2, for me, in terms of the vampire society, is if you look at Underworld 1, they set up everything. They created a visual tone. They created a visual style. They created a language. They created a, a, la a visual language for the movie for you to watch. They created all the rules that you needed to know for the vampire story they were telling. Mm -hmm. And then when you saw Underworld 2, it was suddenly like, oh, this is what you get when your world is in place. So I felt like Underworld 2 was just a tad more solid 
because of how in place the rules and everything they had built in the first yeah. movie were. And I walked in knowing exactly what I was getting. Um, it's kind of like in Batman Begins, they made this Batman movie very real and earnest. Mm-hmm. And you were like, wow, that was a good movie. And then when The Dark Knight came out, you went, oh, that's what you were setting up for. Yeah. So it's kind of like this where you go, oh, I know exactly what you're setting up for. And the movie was just awesome. Yeah. So lots of great vampire nonsense. And, you know, it's just I really like Underworld 2 is great. I I really agree with that, too. Um, I think uh, Underworld, like, man, there's so much. I can't I don't even know where to start. Underworld 2, I think, is really good, though. You got me thinking about the sequels thing. And that kind of (laughs) like set my mind up on this whole different path. Because I used to have this joke that the second superhero movie is always the best. And that's that doesn't stay true. That does now. not stay true. Well, but but, but. Assert, well, this is a joke that I made up like ten years ago or something. When you had like you had like a couple examples like X Men two, Dark Knight two, like Superman, Superman or Dark two, Knight, yeah. And so there was like a bunch of examples in this day and age of like superhero like mania we have going on that does not remain true no. at all. But it's still a funny joke. Uh, the end. of fight scene in underworld 2 is like really really sweet like it's one of my favorite fight scenes and i do really agree with you like when they don't have to waste time or not waste time but spend time setting up the world like you can get so much more action and so much more story and i've a lot of times i end up liking sequels better than the original just because like you said you can just go in and hit the hit the ball running but uh yeah great pick i don't have much more to say about it so yeah what do you got next (laughs) My next pick, um, since we've been talking about Nosferatu and kind of the old school uh, vampire movies, uh, my next pick is actually Dracula. So this is the like original? The, yeah, the 1931 Bela Lugosi film. Uh, I love I love Nosferatu. Like I said before, it's a really striking movie. I think the visuals of Nosferatu might be scarier than uh, Dracula, but I think there's something about this movie, and I think it's... Ever since I first watched it, it's something that really has struck me and kind of stuck with me, and I think that's why it makes one of my final picks, and that is the kind of... I think this movie does a really good job of, like, showing the environment that Dracula lives in and, like, this old castle, and, like, I think this movie does a better job bringing you into the environment where, like, Nosferatu, you kind of, like, follow around, like, this really creepy vampire character and stuff. But You follow around him and, well, God, why, um, what's his sidekick's name in Nosferatu? What is it called? Oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, do you remember? I, yeah, you I know? couldn't tell you. Um, he's got, like, the guy who follows, he's got the guy who follows him around that eats the flies. What's his name? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, continue where you're saying. They had That's like kind of... a parody of him, and uh... he becomes like a par- He becomes like a Dracula character. Love it, loving he, it. Yes, keep talking. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it up because it's gonna so, bug me. But anyways, like I just really, I think that's my biggest thing is like I watch Dracula and I feel like I can, like I'm in Dracula's castle and I feel like they make it such a tangible place. And I remember towards the beginning of the film, there's this part where it shows a. Uh, they're first showing the cat, the castle, and uh, um, they show this part where there's a armadillo in Dracula's castle, like running around in this like really rundown castle. And I remember thinking to myself, like that was so striking. I was like, "There's an armadillo there. That's so 
weird, but, you know, are there wild armadillos, like, running around, like, Romania or Transylvania or whatever? And, like, I don't know, but it was such a striking thing that it stuck with me. So that's really what this one is for me. It's, like, the environment the movie creates, I think, is really well done. So, yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, it's just a classic, like it's, you can't go wrong with the old universal monster film. So, right. I'm not finding the character's name. He has like a specific, like pop culture kind of a name to it. Why? Ugh. <laughs> this is the episode none of them, where we none Google of them, things. <laughs> I know because none of them sound right. Like I'm looking at these names and none of them sound right. It really kind of bugs me. Um, so that's fine. I guess it's just that that character has like whatever um i give up for right now just because i want to just because with the the our audience does not want to listen to us google things yeah um so dracula 1930 was your pick yeah sorry um okay so my act mine is actually uh nosferatu oh awesome um which we've talked about this movie earlier because of shadow of the vampire this movie's great it holds up um, it really is creepy to watch being a silent film, black and white, and then you just have the music. Um, yeah, I, I had to watch this in film school, and then I ended up finding it was able to get myself a copy, so I own it, which is great. One of the things that I, one of the things we did with this movie, which is really cool, is a buddy of mine a long time ago when we were in college hosted a Halloween party at his house, and um, we wanted something creepy for the background. So aside from decorating the house for people to come over, we took one wall, hung a sheet so it looked like so it, and we hung it so it was loosely hung so it had mm-hmm. like wrinkles in it, and then we got a projector and put Nosferatu on a loop, just running. Cool. So it was just the creepy black and white images like in the background <laughs> running awesome. and whatnot. Yeah. And it was it was really cool. Some people actually like watched the movie. Like, we didn't have the sound on. We just had it muted, so it was just going in the mm-hmm. background. So there's probably some, like, pictures of, like, you know, who's that vampire guy over that person's shoulder and stuff <laughs> like that. It probably looks really cool. Nice. But, no, Nosferatu is just a – it's just a really well – for 1922, it's an incredibly well-done movie yeah. that to this day still holds up. So And it's part of – one of the cool things about uh, – since, since this movie is a silent film, I love that it becomes – almost like a comic book in a way that you're watching these characters and you're reading their dialogue, but you never hear their voices. Like you said, there's just kind of like this like dark uh, classical music playing in the background and you're watching these images. But I mean, if you know horror, horror is always best when they leave things to to your imagination because what you can imagine is always going to be more scary than what any director or whoever puts on screen. And having it be silent really does bring it more into your imagination where you can read along and you can hear those characters' voices in your head and you can hear the characters scream. And it's just kind of like really cool that it's like subjective to the viewer, you know, to like scare themselves while watching it. Like I said, I I love Nosferatu too. I think it's just the environment in Dracula, I think was just a little bit more striking for me, but I do think... The imagery in Nosferatu is really striking and really cool, and it's just like awesome. And like, uh, I don't. I think Nosferatu might be the only silent film I've watched. Really? And like, yeah. And I feel like I need to go back and like watch some other ones. Uh, I've always been interested in the Man Who Laughed or the Man Who Laughs that like the Joker was based off of. I don't oh, know if sure. you ever watched that one, but 
that one and i don't know if that's even a horror but the guy looks like creepy as hell so like i really want to check that out sometimes <laughs> right um well how about this uh we're on to three picks left each so what yeah what do you got uh this one is like way different than anything we've talked about but uh the lost boys made, oh, all right. uh, my final pick or one we actually final pick. Not, so far we have very different lists yeah um so, go ahead this movie is like it has so much character. I really like this movie. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a very long time. It but. has so much character to it in that it's like it's made during the 80s and it's like this really cool like time and place thing where I don't think a movie would ever be made with the same kind of character as this movie today. And it has like elements of like you know this family moves to like this new town that's in California, I think, and there's a bunch of like the like rebellious like punk rock teenagers are actually vampires you know and that's like revealed and it's kind of because of like the punk rockness of it and like the music they have in it like at the beginning there's like this weird 80s band that's playing at this like carnival or festival outside and i remember there's just like this like really shirtless muscly dude who has a chain around his neck and he's playing a saxophone and <laughs> it just feels like so 80s and so like trapped in that time <laughs> yeah. where it's like this is the only movie that probably has like a muscly shirtless guy playing a saxophone with a tight chain around his neck like i don't know if that exists anywhere else but it's kind of cool in that way and then what else i love about this movie is like so there's the uh the older like teenage guy who kind of he ends up dealing with the vampires a lot and stuff but I also really get into the... He's the one uh, that almost eats the rice with the maggots. Yeah, yeah. That, that, <laughs> I was going to mention that scene, That too, scene, and it's not... It's just a visual, like... It's like... It's a it's a trick. It's not actually yep, there, it's, it, but... It's the vampire characters, like, that, creeping that, him That out. made it really hard for me to eat rice for a yeah. very long time. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's like all the vampires take this guy kind of under, his, under their wing, but they're freaking him out, and they're eating Chinese food, and... Uh, one of the guys like try, offers him noodles, and the noodles just was look it like noodles. A big, I thought it was. Well, rice. they they do it with it's two things because the noodles oh, they make right. look yeah, like yeah, night yeah, crawlers, yeah. and then the rice they make look like maggots, and it's so like, I think I saw that when I was like eight or nine, and that's just like an image that at the time grossed me out <laughs> so much that it just stuck with me my whole life. But uh, I actually get really drawn into the story of like that main character's little brother too, because he's kind of at like. A different place in his life where he's hanging out at the comic shop and then he meets like the kids at the comic shop who are like oh you know there's like vampires in this town right <laughs> like here here's a comic book read about it learn about the vampires in town and like it's kind of cool like there's like these two different worlds and i don't know if the movie was made that way to like attract more viewers but they've got like the story the kids can get into and then the stories that the the story that the right. teenagers can get into and uh by the end, it's like it almost becomes like a Home Alone esque thing where the kids like have to trap the vampires in their house and set up all these booby traps, and it's really goofy. But there's some really cool parts, and it's like a really solid, fun vampire movie at the end of the day. Um, the last thing I'll say is like I remember the point in my life that I learned that Joel Schumacher directed this film, and my mind was oh, blown. Wow! Did you realize that just or? now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow! Knows, like Joel Schumacher is the guy who put nipples on Batman. Yeah, Joel Schumacher remember, ruined Batman. Yeah, for but a, then Joel I Schumacher <laughs> closed the door on superhero movies until Blade came out. That's wow. a good point. Um, 
but yeah, and I just think when I learned that, it blew my mind because I was like, oh, maybe Joel Schumacher isn't all bad. Well, <laughs> Joel Schumacher also directed uh, Phone Booth. Um, which blew my mind when I realized that. Um, but Phone Booth was phenomenal. So Right on. So, yeah, that's The Lost Boys. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, well, my next pick of the night is John Carpenter's Vampires. I've never seen You've this. You've never seen this? Yeah. Okay, so if you know, this is classic John Carpenter in the best way. So if you know John Carpenter's work, it's a standard John Carpenter's horror film, but it's vampires. Right? And it's more, it's like... When did this come out? Like 2000 or something? Like uh, I'm going gonna, gonna to have to look that I feel like it was so. late 90s, early 2000s, though, right? Um, so it's like more recent than. Because you think John Carpenter, you think like The Thing and like a lot of his old. I got to stop know, closing. I got to stop closing IMDb <laughs> because every time I close it, you say, When did this happen? And but, I got to uh, look it up. I feel like people think John Carpenter and they have all these like very, like very old horror movie, horror, horror movies they think of. So I'm kind of interesting. But interested in your take on this one because this one's more recent than a lot of the typical John Carpenter ninety-eight picks, I guess. Okay, so there you go. Um, so this has uh, this is with James Woods and um, Daniel Baldwin, um, and this is a this is a very dark, serious story about vampires, but it was written in a way where. Um, there was humor embedded into it. So, like, James Woods is this... James Woods was taxed by the Catholic Church to hunt down and slay said vampires. Just travel the country, do it, travel the world, whatever you got to do, slay, kill these vampires. So he's basically your Van Helsing character. Yeah. And he has to take this new person under the wing to, you know, to teach. Um, so he's teaching this new person how to uh, kill vampires. And then... Um, there's this resurgence of vampires. So the, the ultimate goal is to eventually kill Dracula, the ulti- the the beginning source of vampirism and that kind of thing. That's um, the goal for this podcast, by the way, uh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the um, eventual goal. Well, they talk, We're working our way Well, they there. talk heavily about um, how you kill vampires. There's three ways to do it. You know, you can behead them. You know, um, fireworks, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sunlight turns them into crispy critters. But ultimately, the best way to do it is a wooden stake right through the heart. So, like, he has this, like, team of vampire hunters that are with him that eventually get slaughtered pretty well because there's this cool scene where they get to this old abandoned house that they know is a vampire nest. Mm-hmm. But it's daytime. So they, like, go into the house and they find the bodies and whatever. And then, like... This fight breaks out in the house because they wake one up. Well, one of the team members on the outside takes his crossbow, fires the bolt right through the vampire, and then the crossbow, the the bolt from the crossbow is hooked up to a jeep. So they just turn on the winch and it drags him outside, <laughs> and he bursts into flames. Like, oh, okay, nice. just really yeah. cool. Like, I mean, but the jump, there's plenty of jump scares throughout the thing. Like, lots of times you're gonna jump, but they added in all this humor, and then they told this really serious story. Which was awesome. Like, it got really dark, and, like, it starts out really fun, and you're like, oh, I'm in for an action-adventure-like vampire film, and then it gets real serious, and it becomes a legit, like, vampire story, and then you get all the Dracula stuff and, you know, the big bad at the end, and it's just a a really fun, it's a very exciting movie. I haven't watched it in years, and talking about it makes me want to sit down. This is making me, like, actually really want to watch this movie, because, like, I, I just really like... 
I have a special place in my heart for like those like late 90s, early 2000s, like just that era of movies. And I think it's because I was like a teenager at the time or whatever. So, or, you know, getting up there. Right. So I was and like, then there's this one girl that gets bit, but it wasn't like a full turn. So they're yeah. like kind of like um, house arrest kind of watching her make because eventually oh, right, she's yeah. going to turn and like one of the guys has to like sit with her and kind of keep an eye. Like it's... <laughs> It's it's just a really like It'd what they cool. what they were eventually trying to tell with the story is really good. Is it a um do the vampires look are they like do they look like monsters or do they look like people like They look they like even, people. Okay. Um I think if one of, if, I think one of them looks like a monster or at least have some monster quality to them but the rest yeah. are all like very normal human looking. Awesome. So, um no, I was just like I guess saying like especially like those late 90s early 2000s like I guess, like, horror action-style movies, like, I oh, really okay. like, too. So I think I'd really enjoy this one if I yeah, actually you, find somewhere to stream you, you it or something. Yeah. Um, really good movie. Um, so John Carpenter's Vampires, check it out. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Go ahead. So my next pick is a spoiler, just mentioning it. Ooh, so if you're afraid of spoilers, uh, continue with... Uh, a grain of salt. I don't think that's the right phrase, but uh, my next pick is from dusk till dawn. So hey, we matched. Oh really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't expect that, but that's awesome. Um, I say this is. This a was the next one I was going to talk about too. <laughs> I, I say this is a spoiler because you don't realize the movies about vampires. And I had a real hard time talking about this when I put it on the list. I was like, there is no like we we have to spoil the movie to talk about the movie. Yeah, exactly. Which sucks. Because go ahead, tell your thing. Well, I and mean, then I'll this talk. is a movie that starts out where I okay. So you have two characters. There's uh, George Clooney and, and Quentin, Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino are on the run, and I feel like I don't remember if they were bank robbers or what. They they were some kind of criminal. They're some kind of criminal, and they just broke yeah, out of and prison. They okay, and then they uh, they're they, either they just broke out or George Clooney just broke out Tarantino. Right, and they. Uh, they basically kidnap this family and use their RV as, like, a getaway car. Because yeah. their goal is to get across the border in Mexico. And they're like, we're going to go across the border and we're going to go to... Do you remember what the bar is called that they go to? Is it From Dusk Till Dawn? Is that the name yeah, of the bar? Yeah, that's the name of the bar. Okay. So they're like, we're going to, you know, take a pit stop at From Dusk Till Dawn once we get there. And then you guys... You family can go on your way because, you know, you've helped us get to safety yep. over here. And so that's how the movie starts. And it's this really serious, like, interestingly written crime story, you know? And you're watching yeah. it. And they get to From to uh, from Dusk Till Dawn. And I want to say the tone changes. And the, well, they literally just, they're getting picked up in the morning. So they're going to let the family go. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? They're like, as soon as, as the, the bar, we're going to the bar, we're going to stay all night, have some drinks, enjoy some music, and when <laughs> the sun comes up, you guys can go your way because our ride's coming. Yeah. And I, I want to say, like, as soon as they get to the bar, so the movie's tone changes from there, obviously, and I feel like as soon as you get to the actual bar, you can tell that, like, something's different because of how crazy it gets. Because it's basically the most ridiculous, it's, loud, obnoxious it biker is. bar you could It is. It's the most ridiculous imagine. biker bar. But. Like, you have Cheech Marin, like, out in front, like, with a megaphone just yelling crazy crap into it. Like, inviting people into the bar. And then you get inside and uh, there's a funny cameo from... Uh, the uh, special effects makeup artist Tom Savini is in the bar, and I think he has, like, a little, like, 
I don't know. He has like some weird gadget. Like it's like a little lasso or he uses something. He's, he's the dude with, uh, he's got like brown hair and a beard and he's got like a leather jacket and he has like some sort of like, I can't, I have to look it up now because it's bugging me that I can't remember, but like Tom Savini's in there and he has like these goofy gadgets that he's playing like tricks on people right. in the bar yes. with and like everything starts to get a little goofy and uh, eventually and it leads to... all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens is... Uh, Selma Hayek's character is like a dancer at the bar, and there's like this that everyone's really, like, waiting for. She's like the Jessica Rabbit of the movie. Like yeah, everyone's oh yeah, waiting for good, her to come out and dance. Comparison. And she comes out and she's doing this crazy dance, and she's got like a boa constrictor or something like on her yeah. shoulders. And yeah, Jessica Rabbit's like a perfect That's thing like, to compare yeah. it to. And uh, I can't remember exactly what goes wrong, and maybe you remember it better. N- neither but, do I. Okay, I just so, know that right after that sequence, all of a sudden. <laughs> Everyone in the bar is a vampire, (laughs) and they're all just, like, trying to kill all the people who are not vampires, and it becomes a slaughter fest, a very violent, bloody slaughter fest. And I want to say, like, somebody, like, knocks, um, like, Selma Hayek's character, like, gets pushed off a table or something like that, and you, like, watch her go from, like, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen to, like... She transforms. Like, the vampires in this movie look like monsters. They look like monsters, and they transform. There's, like, this weird, like, stop-motion sequence or something where you see, like, her face morph into this monster vampire face, and I think that's the first reveal. And then all of a sudden, like you said, all hell breaks loose, and it's about these two criminals and this family. And they even joke. I love it, because there's a scene where the one guy's like, okay, so what do we learn? What do we know about vampires? And starts listing off stuff, and they're like, did you get all that from movies? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But it's like, it was just such a, like, left-field thing where, like, okay, this is a serious crime movie. Okay, it's gotten really weird. It's starting to get weird. weird bar, and then all of a sudden, vampires. <laughs> right. And it's an amazing thing, but it's such a creative uh, this one, way this is, to make a movie. This is directed by Robert Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. It's not a Tarantino film. A lot of people, common misconception, this is not a Tarantino film. Um, my biggest frustration with talking about this movie tonight is there's no way to talk about it without spoiling it. Yeah. When I was told to watch From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, they, uh, the friend who recommended it said, go watch this movie, you're really going to like it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't read the back of the box. I re- literally just looked at the cover, and unfortunately, on the cover, there's a picture of a character with fangs. I didn't even think twice about it. I just grabbed the movie, brought it home. Okay. Um, walked yeah. through it and watched it, no clue, completely surprised me. I'm like, wait, this is about vampires? <laughs> yeah. Uh, fantastic, fantastic kind of turn in the movie. Because um, it's not really a twist. It's more like this crazy turn, and then suddenly it's this whole yeah. other story. And it, and it becomes... The movie changes so much. Like, it becomes... Like, this is like a horror movie, but it, it's like such a goofy, ridiculous... Yeah, like, I know. Gory, like, ridiculous monster design. Like, if you get into, like, splatter, like, horror, and, like, you know, like, Evil Dead, and, like, that sort of stuff where there's really creative, weird gore effects, like, this movie's good for that. There's a lot of humor. Like, it's just such a weird film i don't know thinking about it, it's like weird that this movie ever got made like yeah i don't no, understand I <laughs> how it exists how did it get funding like i love it but it's just very interesting that it actually happened yeah, so yeah. 
I don't know if you have any more thoughts. I mean, we've been talking about the movie. No, no, it's time, it's such a yeah. great movie, and I think everyone needs to see this movie. I just feel yeah. bad that we had to spoil that twist in the middle. Yeah. Because you can't, like, and we're talking vampire films, how would this not come up in conversation? Exactly. So um, I had, but here's the thing. This makes a, this makes a thing on my list, not necessarily because it's, it, it is a well-made movie. Yeah. But this makes, lands on my list because it was such kind of like a special vampire movie for me. Okay. Does that I'm make interesting, sense? Interesting. And it was all, and why is that? Though? Because I didn't know. Okay. I was yeah, completely right. blindsided by it. I was not in the mood for a vampire movie. I wasn't intending to watch a horror film. <laughs> I just had a buddy tell me to check this out. I was in. I was riveted. I'm like, this is cool. And then suddenly there's vampires. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, yeah. um, very, very cool, just out of left field kind of a movie that happened. And that's why this makes my list when we talk vampire mm-hmm. movies. Like, there was no way this couldn't make my top five. Yeah. And there's been a lot of sequels to this movie, actually, that I don't think... I mean, Robert Rodriguez might have produced them, but from what I've gathered, the sequels are really bad, and I think... I've never watched watched the sequels. I almost want to say there might be a TV show or, like, a miniseries based on this, and the thing is, once it gets to that point where it turns into a ridiculous horror movie, I think all the sequels just carry on from there, and that's probably why they're not that good, because this movie... Like we said, it's such an interesting experience when you finally get to that point. So, sure. Sorry for spoiling it, everybody. <laughs> but I guess that would come back to me for my final pick. Yeah. So, this last pick, I think this is honestly my favorite um, vampire movie ever, and that is 30 Days of Night. Oh. So, this is a movie that my history with this movie kind of goes back because. I'm going to get a little bit comic booky here because this movie is based on a comic book, but... What's not these um, days? <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> you remember Wizard Magazine, of course, yep. right? So Wizard, if... I still, I still have there, my old Wizard Magazines. Right. Yeah, so um, Wizard Magazine was the internet before the internet. Like, you kids go on, like, comicbook.com or you listen to our podcast or you, you know, you find your nerdy news places on the internet... But back in the day, before the internet was what it is now, we had Wizard Magazine, which was a com- which was a magazine all about comic books, comic book culture, the creators behind your favorite comic book characters, uh, news about movies, and just everything related to this. It focused on comics, but a lot of the other like sci-fi nerdy stuff made its way in there. That magazine was awesome. So there was an offshoot, like I think a very short-lived offshoot of Wizard Magazine called Wizard Edge. Have you ever heard no. of this? So this is... Or maybe I did. And this was something where I was like at a drugstore or like a convenience store as a kid and I saw this Wizard Edge and I was like, oh, I, lo- I love Wizard, but this is Wizard Edge. What is this all about? So I picked it up and it was... Uh, it's basically the indie version of Wizard. Okay. So this is like Wizard... A wizard magazine, but just focus on on uh, indie comics. But there was an article in this in this one issue I picked up that was all about like how to break into comics, like how to become a professional comic book creator, and that really interested me. So I had to like pick that up. But in this Wizard Edge magazine, they had a preview for a comic book called Thirty Days of Night, and I saw this comic. And Thirty Days of Night is such a cool comic because it has a uh, Ben Templesmith is the artist uh, of, or at least the first artist of uh, 30 Days of Night, and his style is very akin to, I want to say, like, the illustrations in uh, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Like, it has that kind of weird, gritty, like, 
almost like like sketchy style to it. I'd almost compare the, him to uh, From Hell, whoever did the illustrations for that. Okay, yeah, and and like I feel like the and I don't. I can't, like, get a vivid picture of From Hell's, okay. like, comic book art, but does that have, like, kind of, like, really loose, like, watercolor, like, coloring well, on the pages? Yes, and but stuff it's black like and white. It's Oh, okay, fair enough. I just, in my head, I'm just, like, that's kind of, like, the same, at least, maybe pencil style? I don't know. Okay, yeah. And uh, so, like, you have Ben Templesmith, who has this very striking style, and I was like, oh, this kind of looks cool, and I started reading it. And uh, I read the story about this vampire who, and I don't remember if it was revealed right away, but th this vampire is talking on the phone, and uh, through his conversation with whoever, with another vampire, essentially, you learned that they both were vampires, and that he learned about something new, because at the time he was watching the news or the Discovery Channel or something, and he saw on the TV that in Alaska they experience a month during the winter of complete darkness. And he realized, like, oh... That's where the can, vampires yeah, we would can, go. <laughs> we can go up to Alaska and literally terrorize these towns for a month straight, and they have no safety, and it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. And I remember reading this, and like I, I just described the scene, this is a very talking head comic thing. This is a not action-packed at all. It's all dialogue. But I remember reading this, and I was like, this is so interesting. Like, it's such a cool concept. And uh, as the years went by, like, I didn't go to, like, comic book stores a lot when I was younger, but I would go to, like, comic conventions, and I would, like, I picked up some of the 30 Days of Night comics because I thought they were cool, but I remember the movie came out, and I was kind of blown away, and I was like, that's such a good idea for a movie. Like, why didn't I ever realize they would do this? And then I saw the movie, and it was—it's just awesome. It's like a cool. It's such it a cool awesome. concept. It is awesome. It's way more violent and way more gory than I think I ever thought it would be yeah. when I watched it. Um, my only criticism with the movie is I thought the vampires were just a little too creature yeah. for the story they were telling, but it was still well. So, awesome. So I, I I actually it was just it was awesome because yeah. once I got over that, I was like, this is just so good. <laughs> I actually kind of think I like creature style vampires better than just like a straight like human looking vampire oh. but like when I think back on 30 days of night the thing is so the vampires in the movie they don't just have two fangs in their mouth they have like all their teeth become pointy and they basically uh you know they run up to somebody and they don't just like lightly bite them and suck their blood they like attack your neck and like it's it's yeah. super violent but I think when I think back on it, because I was thinking, like, 30 Days of Night vampires really are, like, super monstrous. But then I thought back on it, and I feel like it's only the teeth. Like, I feel like the teeth is the only thing that's different from a regular vampire you'd see. But otherwise, their appearance is kind of just, like, regular people. I feel like maybe their eyeballs were black or white. I can't really recall. They were black. Okay, so it's they their, were teeth, definitely black. their teeth and their eyeballs. But otherwise, I think yeah. they looked normal. Which is kind of cool that they could just use those small little touches like that. Like, they only change two things about the character's face, but they end up looking like a monster. Yeah. Um, this is a movie that's, like... I think it's a really good story. Like, I've been talking about the story for so long, so I love it. But I think it's also just... There's a lot of awesome action in it. The way it's shot is really good, and... Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know what else to say. It's just I. I no, really it's like this it's one. a really good movie. So it made my short list. But mm -hmm. there's some really cool parts. One of the highlights for me. Well, there's two highlights. One is uh, there's a vampire that's like a very small girl, like 
I feel like she's like a seven-year-old girl became a vampire, and uh, when they have to take her out, it takes like two grown men holding her against the wall to like actually hold her down because she's that like strong, right. you know? And then there's another good sequence. Um, my favorite shot of the movie is just this like, I feel like it's 20 or 30 second overhead shot of the small Alaska town that the vampires are terrorizing. And it's just kind of this cool like uh, bird's eye view of like all the vampires the running. Or, yeah, yeah, I love that shot so much. So, um, well, my final pick of the night is probably my favorite vampire film. Okay, nice. Which is uh, Interview with the Vampire. Okay, Have you awesome. ever seen this? I think we talked about this before. I don't think I've ever watched this the full way through, which I think it's, is a travesty. You it's know, so but. cool. Um, it is Brad Pitt and uh, Brad Pitt, early Brad Pitt, and Tom Cruise. And then um, this is uh, Kirsten Dunst's like, breakout film when mm-hmm. she was young. I think this is like one of her very first roles. Um but this is basically a story of a vampire who played by Brad Pitt that wants to tell his story. So he finds a reporter, uh, played by Christian Slater, and tells him he's a vampire and wants him to document his story. So then it's literally a narration of uh, Brad Pitt telling the story of a long, long time ago when he got bit. And then you like see the progress throughout his mm. life as it leads eventually leads up to um, the night when... The night in question where he's telling a story. Okay. But it's this huge history of, like, global history because you see colonial times. You see, like, everything leading up to present day. Um, So there's, like, a historical aspect to it as you learn all this vampire mythos and everything going on. And it's just – it's such an amazing story that was told, an amazing way of telling the story. Yeah. So I haven't watched it in years, but, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't want to say too much because it's such a good movie and everyone knows you've seen it. Oh, that's but I feel like we've spoiled every single. Thing we've, we've spoiled every about. movie we've talked <laughs> yeah. about. This is just a really good movie. Yeah. Um, Tom Cruise was really cool as a vampire and some of the like just the way it played out. Um, Kristen Dunst has this amazing sequence in the movie where she cuts Tom Cruise's throat, um, and the bleed out scene. It's one of the. It's probably one of the goriest throat cutting scenes you'll ever see. But the way it bleeds, <laughs> the way like the bleed out with it, because a vampire. Essentially, in vampire lore, is basically just a big sack of blood. Yeah. So it like just doesn't stop <laughs> bleeding. Oh um, wow! It is such a cool sequence. Um, and then like, and Kirsten Dunst, she plays this young vampire, kind of like you said, who was like turned at a young age and yeah. whatnot. So I feel like um, something about vampire movies, and I don't know if this bleed out scene fits in with it, but I feel like. Compared to a lot of other horror genres, a lot of vampire movies tend to be a lot more artistic, like the way they're filmed and the way the This is definitely a very artistic kind of look. And I, I think that's a really cool thing, too, that there's this sort of romanticism with vampires that has this sort of, like, kind of really artistic approach in a lot of ways that you don't get from zombie movies and werewolf movies and other kind of monsters as much, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the list. So, what are we doing next week? Okay. So this is <laughs> this is your pick. This so. is a weird one, but I really want to do this one. So I hope you're on board. <laughs> I'm um, sure. I want to do, and this is kind of a negative one, but it's really not, and I can explain that. But I want to do our least favorite tropes in media. In media or in movies and television? I mean, we can limit it to movies and television because that's probably what most of my l- list. Okay. Because when you say in media, like. 
I feel like that's gonna like steer towards like a lot of social media nonsense. Oh no no no! So I, just, I just I just like mean like visual entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, I mean, if you want to throw in tropes that are in books too, like that's fine. But yeah, I do mean some kind of entertainment. You Least know, I don't favorite wanna... tropes. This yeah. is gonna... honestly, th- this might be a difficult list for me. And I, well, I, so I thought of this because, and I won't spoil it, but I thought of a trope that's in some of my favorite things and it kind of drives me crazy and i was just like that would be a really fun list to do and i think it could be really entertaining and like i said like does this thing make your list yes oh yeah okay so, so i don't want to know you will yeah you say, will be tell me the, tell me the example but i don't want to <laughs> you, know. you will be filled in next week but um yeah it's one of those things like i said like some of my favorite movies and shows use tropes and i wish they wouldn't so it's not necessarily I'm not going to be super negative about it. It's just kind of like, come on, guys, you can do better. You could, like, portray right. this a different way. So I think that'd be kind of a fun thing to do. And right, sure. Like I said, I only have one idea so far, so it's going to be really interesting to see where this one goes. So Yeah, right. Um, very cool. So um, I promise I'll pick a normal one sometime soon. So. <laughs> A normal one? Oh, I have, I have, there is no, nothing wrong, um, with a weird list, so I will totally take it. Um, so yeah, that'll bring us to the end of next week, um, or that'll bring us into next week, but, uh, for now, it's Halloween, everyone have a fun, safe holiday, enjoy getting your candy, enjoy scaring people, hopefully you play a prank or two, um, and, um, yeah, just enjoy the holiday, hope everyone has a fun time with their costumes and trick-or-treating and whatnot, so, um, if you would, check out our website, uh, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you'll also find links to our email if you want to interact with the show. That is uh, top5report at gmail.com. We are on Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us, and um, that way you'll never miss a single episode. And you can leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better. And it makes the words we say feel important. So, uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be spreading the word that Jonah Hill didn't join Batman because he was going to play a fused version of the twins in Matrix 4. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. Happy Halloween, everyone. Have a good day.